Hi, my name is Bill, and I am a man without a party. Welcome to the D Party Podcast. This is a place for those of you who may currently be politically homeless, but who haven't forgotten your true home. Welcome in. Episode 30, The End of the Beginning. It's Saturday. Most of us are holed up at home in a situation we've never experienced before or, for many of us, even imagined. A global pandemic with wide implications. Some of you are out of work, wondering how you're going to make ends meet. Some may be sick or have a friend or family member who is sick. Some may have lost a loved one to COVID-19. We're in a tight spot. It's Saturday, April 11th, 2020. At 8 o'clock a.m. this morning, the U.S. had 503,177 confirmed COVID-19 cases and 18,761 of our fellow countrymen and women had died from the disease thus far. We've been losing almost 2,000 people each day this week nationwide. I've listened to some of the talking and writing heads who continuously played down this crisis in its early days, now adopting the talking point that this still isn't as bad as our yearly losses from the flu. I wonder if they've ever looked closely at an apple and an orange side by side. Their banter ignores the near heroic efforts and sacrifice of the American people to social distance that has limited the destruction of this pandemic as much as it has. Our continued war of the right against expertise continues unabated, as if the only true reality is a political one. They are dealing, unfortunately, with a mindless virus that doesn't care about gaslighting and spin, that couldn't care less about the electoral map or opinion polls, and that simply refuses to fit into the ever-changing, reality-bending narratives of our president and his acolytes. All COVID-19 wants is space in our lungs. This virus doesn't mess around. The brother of one of my best friends has been in the hospital in critical condition for going on three weeks now. He is still on a ventilator, though he's now doing most of his breathing on his own, thank God. His wife was also afflicted with COVID-19, but has been able to recover from home, and it totally wiped her out for a while. This virus is more contagious and has a higher death rate than the seasonal flu and has no vaccine or proven treatment. I'm not an epidemiologist, so I don't know what the answer is, but I am listening to the experts. And I'm proud to the point of bursting at the sacrifice of so many of the people living here in America, but also all over the world who have been willing to keep distance, to stay home, to lower the rate of spread, to buy our heroic healthcare workers time to flatten the curve. I'm proud of churches who are striving to take care of their people and the people in their neighborhoods while conducting services online and ministering remotely. They are working to fulfill the neighbor love provisions of the greatest commandment while also loving God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. There are, of course, other voices, voices of, an, of a minority of Christians demanding their right to meet in large gatherings or confidently explaining how the blood of Jesus will prevent them from getting infected. I don't understand these voices anymore. Peace on them, and may God truly protect them, and especially protect the innocent people they could carry the disease to. But I don't recognize them or understand them, not anymore. It seems the Venn diagram of these voices and the voices of MAGA is nearly a perfect circle. But it's Saturday, and I'm tired of thinking about MAGA and QAnon and coronavirus truthers and faithless politicians with their political horse races and their gotcha tweets. I'm tired of misdirection and finger-pointing and Trump's press briefings and the ongoing stupid war between the Donald and the media in this, the fourth and nastiest season of The Apprentice. 
MAGA Island. This morning, I fantasized about how things are going on Earth, too, in which this pandemic is being managed with competence, compassion, and integrity by President Mitt Romney in the last year of his second term, and focused not on re-election or tussling with Jim Acosta or Yamish Alcindor, but with defeating this virus and protecting American lives. Because that's what presidents are supposed to do. It's Saturday, and I'm thinking about last night. My wife and I sat at home with our youngest son, Blake, with my daughter, Bethany, and her husband, Thomas, on Zoom with us as we took part in our church's streaming Good Friday service. We took communion, administered by ourselves to ourselves at home, with grape juice and crackers as our elements. In this act, we connected to billions of fellow believers around the world and throughout history in remembrance of the shed blood and broken body of our Savior. You know, it's not enough to just believe. One has to willingly and gratefully partake of the feast. A starving man doesn't get well by believing in bread. He gets well by eating the bread, by receiving it, by bringing it into himself and letting the healing and restorative power of the bread's nutrition fill his desiccated body. His heart isn't warmed and made glad by acknowledging wine exists, but rather by drinking of it. Jesus offered himself for us. He who knew no sin became sin on the cross for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. He didn't ask us to be observers. He invited us into himself, dead on the cross, sealed in a tomb, and bursting forth alive again forever. Our faith is an embodied faith. It is living, active, and doesn't settle for the low bar of mere mental assent. We receive Christ into ourselves, heart, soul, mind, strength, body. It is in this full living sacrifice that he grants us the ability to love the Lord our God with all we have and to love our neighbors as ourselves. I wonder on this Saturday why it seems so easy for us, for all of us, to become consumed with politics of all things, to have our identities so bound up in our red or blue jersey, to allow ourselves to be endlessly discipled by people who may not share our faith and who certainly don't embody it, You know who I'm talking about. They are on TV every night and on our radios for hours every day. An expert in the Jewish law once asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Our modern media disciples, the Rush Limbaugh's and Laura Ingram's of this world, indignantly and loudly answer this question every day. And their answer is an ever-diminishing group of red jersey-wearing team members who can still pass an ever more stringent loyalty test. I wish that it was at least a loyalty to something noble, such as being pro-life, but many of these pro-life voices also loudly now urge for an opening up of our economy, implying that opening the economy up now would be well worth the lives of our less productive citizens, the elderly, the immunocompromised. Pro-life indeed. No, the loyalty test is now reaching the beginning stages of what was always its logical conclusion. It is not even a demand of loyalty to an ideology. But now the demand of loyalty is to a single man. Donald Trump has completed his successful hostile takeover of the GOP and is now its center, its focus. This is the end result of toxic political idolatry. Have you noticed it always ends in a cult of personality? I feel naive that I couldn't imagine this happening even in 2016 when I ripped off my red jersey and threw it in the trash. It's Saturday and the contrast between our political idolatries and reality couldn't be more stark. Have you ever noticed how much political idolatry played into the opposition to Jesus? The fear, the craven scheming and strategizing, the manipulation of crowds, the secret meetings, the moral compromise, the endless focus on the next five minutes of history at the expense of eternity, the uncaring sacrifice of neighbor for the supposed greater good. Caiaphas, the high priest who presided over the Sanhedrin at the trial of Jesus, embodied it as he chastised his members. 
He told them, quote, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish, end quote. That's in John 11. He didn't really know what he was saying because God can prophesy even through disobedient and blind religious leaders. But it's chilling to hear the same kind of talk coming out of the mouths of, for example, the Republican lieutenant governor of Texas who argued that it would be worth sacrificing our elderly for the economy. Pro-life. I mentioned a moment ago the difference between our political idolatries and reality. Here it is. The reality of this dark Saturday is that the political idolaters think they have won. They think they have answered the question, who is my neighbor, in all its subdivisions. They have also, without articulating it, answered the question, who is this God we are to love with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? This question is easily answered by looking at where we place our time and attention and allegiance. They have discipled us to give our allegiance to the never-ending red team, blue team death match and the 24-7 news cycle, and the truly never-ending election cycle. Who is my neighbor? Who is my God? They are wrong on both counts. Jesus already told us who our neighbor was. The Venn diagram between neighbor and every human being made in the image of God is a perfect circle from Jesus' point of view. And he has also answered the question, who is our God? Our God is sealed in a tomb on this Saturday, dead, having been killed by the political idolaters who sit satisfied in their houses, eating bread and drinking wine, and glad to have the problem of Jesus resolved. These are strong words, but I want to make clear that I am not suggesting that my dear Christian friends who are still enthusiastically enthralled with a political party are not Christians. What I am suggesting is that they, and all of us who claim to be followers of Jesus, are in danger. We have been presented with a false choice for too long. We've been sold the idea that we carry around like old baggage, that inherent in following Jesus is the full embrace of a political party that looks less like Jesus with every passing day. It's Saturday. If there's any day of the Christian calendar that should help us focus on reality, it's this day, the Saturday between Good Friday and Easter. We aren't called to earthly power, not even earthly power in order to do good things. How well does that normally work out? Earthly power put the beloved on a cross and in a tomb. And we shouldn't settle for earthly power. It is a juice box and junk food compared to the healing bread and wine of Jesus. We are called to be different, to not be conformed to this world. There has to be a better way. The author of the New Testament book of Hebrews wrote this, Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Hebrews 13, 12 and following. Here we have no lasting city. I love this country and want the best for it, and I want it to endure, but it is temporary. We've been pledging allegiance to it for too long. We've had God and country for too long. We've even bastardized that by changing God and country to God and country and the Republican Party. This has skewed everything. We're off kilter. Let's leave that behind and go to him outside the gate. The parties will keep going just fine without us. If you haven't noticed, they aren't having as much fun as they used to. Life is outside the gate where Jesus is. Staying inside the gate of political allegiance and red team, blue team warfare turns us into the hypocrites that Leviticus 19, 35-36 warns against. Quote, you shall have just balances, just weights. 
equal weights and measures. You see our violations all the time. We can forgive Rush Limbaugh when he told his millions of listeners on February 24th, quote, Now I want to tell you the truth about the coronavirus. I'm dead right on this. The coronavirus is the common cold, folks. End quote. But we can never forgive Barack Obama and the Democrats for passing Obamacare. It's Saturday. Jesus is in the tomb and the political powers that be manipulated and befuddled by the ancient serpent think they have won. Am I going too far when I note the resemblance between theirs and our own political idolatry? In our worst and increasingly frequent moments, it is an idolatry that will claim Jesus with our lips, but be perfectly happy to not let him interfere with the way we treat our fellow image bearers. We are rife with first and third commandment violations, not to mention the fifth commandment violation of failure to honor our fathers and mothers in our cold-hearted demands to reopen the economy at the expense of their health. And it wouldn't be modern political discourse if we weren't rife with Ninth Commandment violations of bearing false witness against our neighbor. Truth is underrated as we wallow in conspiracy theories and propaganda. What fun and what a mess. It's Saturday and any astute political mind would know with which team to throw their lot. Team Caiaphas, Team Rome, Team Herod, all looking pretty good right now. The troublemaker who preached that we should love one another as we love ourselves and who dared to claim that he had a kingdom that was not of this world has been dealt with in the brutal, bloody, and very public way that the efficient Roman killing machine had perfected. You nail them up publicly to show everyone what happens to troublemakers who cross the power of the empire. The religious leaders were satisfied as well. Jesus had challenged their power and prestige. They were galled by the company he kept, incensed that he healed others against regulations, and absolutely enraged at his claims. Before Abraham, I am, he said, and that signed his death warrant, a secret arrest, some crowd manipulation, planting the seeds of paranoia in their Roman overlords, and the release of an insurrectionist was all it took to get the Romans to do what they wanted, to take care of the problem. To those who have made politics a god, Jesus is the problem. We want to claim him for our side. Just as in Joshua chapter 5, when Joshua asked the commander of the heavenly armies, are you for us or for our adversaries, and didn't receive the answer he expected, we asked the same question. Jesus, are you on our side? Jesus turns that question around. The question isn't, is he on our side? It is, are we on his side? Is the Venn diagram between who is my neighbor and all human beings made in the image of God a perfect circle for us? Do we know who our God is? He's not a mascot for our favored political party, that's for sure. While the politicians celebrate his death, because politics is a very jealous God, Jesus lays in the tomb. It's a dark Saturday. It's now 1 p.m. Since 8 o'clock a.m. this morning, we've had another 18,537 confirmed COVID-19 cases and lost 1,300 more people, friends, moms, dads, grandparents, children. We just crossed the grim 20,000 fatalities mark. This drumbeat goes on every day. We are separated from each other physically. Many of us fear for the future. Some of us are grieving. Some of us are sick. All of us are unsettled. On the first Saturday after the first Good Friday, the disciples were separated from each other, hiding out from the Romans, scared, grieving, unsettled, living in a cognitive dissonance we can barely imagine. Some of them certainly would have fought for him had he called upon them to do so. Even Thomas, who has worn the somewhat undeserved title, Doubting Thomas, these past millennia, was willing to go to Jerusalem and die with Jesus. 
but he didn't call on them to fight, and he even healed the severed ear of one of his enemies. His final act of physical healing was the healing of one who was there to take him to his death. His final prayer for the forgiveness of others was the prayer that God would forgive those who drove nails through him. His final act of grace and redemption was for a thief hanging next to him. Then he died. Why can't more of us be more like Jesus? I think we can if we make more of what we're about more about Jesus and less about Donald Trump's approval ratings and quote-unquote conservative policies. We'll be more like Jesus when our answer, when others say, yeah, I wish he didn't tweet so much, but don't you like his policies? was guided by how closely those policies align with God's policies as revealed in Scripture. We'll be more like Jesus when we learn not to think like a Republican or a Democrat, but to think Christianly about this world, about other people, and about God. So many of us find ourselves in a very real way in a seemingly endless Saturday of sadness and uncertainty and confusion. We're separated from others. We don't know what the future holds. Some of us are financially broken. Some of us are sick or worried sick about a relative or friend who has COVID. And some of us are grieving over the loss of a loved one. Our kingdoms that seemed so unshakable have been shaken and we wonder if life will ever get back to normal. In our better moments, we may begin to realize that there was a lot wrong with normal as well. I don't know why we're experiencing this pandemic. I'm as clueless as Job about that, but I do know that God works everything, everything for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So there are glimmers of hope in this darkness. It is time like these when we remember that he promised to never leave us or forsake us. We are never truly alone. In the tomb that first Saturday after the first Good Friday, it was cold and dark. Jesus was dead. Hope was barely alive. And yet, as the first glimmers began to suggest a sunrise on that Sunday morning, hope and light and life exploded from the tomb, and our lovely, beloved Lord breathed again, clothed in immortality and eternality. He proved that death was not final. The battle was over, and sin did not win. The worst that man's world could do to him was vanquish. The political machinations of the previous week, a vanity of vanities. Death was swallowed up in victory. This is our hope. Jesus transcends most of what most of us spend our days thinking about. I ask myself often, what if I spent more time thinking about him, following him, discipled by him, nourished by the bread of his body and the wine of his blood rather than the juice boxes and junk food this world offers? What if I truly love my neighbors as I love myself? What if the Venn diagram between who is my neighbor and every human being made in the image of God was Jesus' perfect circle? Glory be, may it be so. I've used the red jersey, blue jersey analogy multiple times, and I've talked about how I threw the red jersey in the trash in 2016. But I'm not standing here without a shirt on. Christ has clothed his followers in robes of righteousness. I took my red jersey off in the hopes that my true clothing would shine out all the more. Maybe you need to do this as well. When I was just a little kid, my family lived in Japan. My dad worked for the military and his job had moved him there, and this was a big disruption, a big separation in a time when being able to have a Zoom video chat with someone thousands of miles away was the stuff of science fiction. My mom's dad, my grandfather, was living in Nebraska under the care of my grandmother. He was dying. Things were hard. 
My mom tells a story of one night early on in our time in Japan, living on base housing when a typhoon hit. She recalls how we all got together in bed, her, my dad, me, and my brother, while the rain lashed and the wind howled and the windows trembled and the house groaned. In the midst of the storm, she was overwhelmed with the feeling that we were all going to be okay. Everything was going to be okay. I pray you can feel that assurance now. There are glimmers of hope. The curve appears to be flattening. Thanks to wonderful efforts by the people in our country, the worst predictions of early models appear to be higher than we can now expect. Thanks to our medical experts, absolutely heroic doctors, nurses, and others aiding the efforts in our hotspots, the death rate has been kept low. This is very good news. I'm reminded of words Winston Churchill said to the House of Commons on November 10, 1942, following the defeat of Rommel's forces in Egypt by the British. This was almost the first good turn for Britain in World War II up to that time. Winston Churchill said this, quote, Now this is not the end. It is not even the beginning of the end. But it is perhaps the end of the beginning. End quote. I don't know if this is the end of the beginning, but I truly hope it is. I pray the COVID-19 typhoon ends soon, but until it does, if you are blessed to quarantine with other people, wrap the covers around all of them and hug them close. Pray hard. Ask for courage and wisdom. If you're blessed to be working, hold what you have loosely. Lots of people are in need. May the church be the church during this time. Friday was a horror. Saturday was dark and quiet and full of uncertainty, fear, and grief. The beloved slept the sleep of death, and the heavens mourned. But Saturday didn't last forever. Cast your cares on God, for he cares for you. Jesus is risen. Everything will be okay, and better than okay, and better than better than okay. A day will come when we come out of the catacombs, and on that day we'll be dancing in the streets, my friends. We're here at the end of the beginning. Sunday is coming. Happy Easter. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to interact with me, you can email me at bill at departedpodcast.com or leave a comment at our website, departedpodcast.com. I'd love to hear from you, even if you disagree with me. Maybe especially if you disagree with me. I, I love learning from others. I love give and take. And I would love to have a civilized and um, mutually beneficial conversation with anyone who wants to talk with me about this stuff. So until next time, I'll give you this encouragement. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. He is risen. God bless.